Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Law podcast. And one of the things that I'm always looking for are pastors that are standing up and on God's truth and God's word, especially in the black community, because we need that mostly. And when you think about people that are strong in the Judeo-Christian faith heritage, it has always been the black community. But something has happened, and we want to get to the nexus of that with our next guest, who is John Amanchukwu. And John, you know, we were having a little chat off camera. He used to play football there at North Carolina State University. He's a graduate from that school, the Wolf Pack. He played football there under Chuck Chuck Amato. He received a master's degree from Liberty University in Christian ministry, Liberty uh, the Flames. Among other accomplishments on the local and national level, he has served as a leader of youth and youth adult ministries and has been a youth pastor for 15 years. Over the past four years, John has led a 40-week prayer walk for Love Life at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the Southeast. And you know, I don't say abortion, I say murdering unborn babies, because that's what we're doing. As a black man, he's uniquely positioned to call out the racism of the left, which means that he's not really black, according to the folks on the left. (laughs) Repackaged as abortion and critical race theory, cultural Marxism. Tucked in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, and this is one of his critical scriptures, is a warning meant for ancient Judah, but it might as well have been written for the 21st century America, where it says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, Isaiah 5.20. Abortion and critical race theory, according to Pastor John, are twin evils born of the same diabolical monster, which is racism. And yet there are many in the church who want to call them good, even as America begins to unravel under their influence. In his book, Erased, John Amanchuku Sr. dispels the myths surrounding abortion and critical race theory and uncovers the left's sinister plot, which goes all the way back to Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, to destroy the black community and divide the church, which is the purpose of cultural Marxism. Along the way, he brings to light important gospel troops to help truths to help all believers learn to think biblically about some of the most important and explosive issues of the day. John is a true Southern preacher, and me being from Georgia, that's a good thing. Calling the next generation to repentance and action, he has been married to his wife, Crystal, for 14 years, and they have three children. Together as a family, they pray, worship, and serve in their church, at the local abortion clinic, and wherever is a need. Pastor John Amanchuku, welcome to the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Thanks for being with us. Lieutenant Colonel West, it's an honor for me to join you today. You are a living legend, and I'm proud. I am walking in high cotton today to have this honor, honor, this distinct 
privilege to be able to dialogue with you. And I look forward to meeting you in person. We're going to do that. And you got to be careful because, you know, down south, you and I know what you, we mean when we say you're walking in tall cotton or high cotton. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure some white progressives are going to look at this and say, man, they're a bunch of racists. They're talking about cotton. <laughs> you know, these people just kill me. But, you know, one of the great things, and this is something that we share, you, you went to North Carolina State University. And I love the Wolf Pack because your fight song is the Army Caissons Go Rolling Along, the artillery song, because the Army ROTC, North Carolina State, was a land-grant university. It was originally established for the training of field artillery cadets. And myself, I'm a field artillery officer. My nephew's a field artillery officer. So every time I hear you guys play that fight song, uh, it just warms my heart because I start singing. And the caissons go rolling along for his high, high, hey, in field artillery. But uh, (laughs) thank you for what you are doing, standing up for truth. Talk to us about... You, you know, your life and, you know, you told me about coming on to North Carolina State University football as a walk on and then earning that scholarship. What are some of the memorable things for you uh, growing up and, you know, where did you grow up and just kind of give the audience an, uh, an understanding of who you are? Yeah, so my name is John Kanayo Chukwu. I'm in Chukwu and I thank God for the John part because it's short. Um, Kanayo Chukwu means I will keep trusting and pleading in God. Mm-hmm. And Chukwu means I know God. So my father is from Nigeria. He mm-hmm. came to the States in 1970 and met my mother in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And at the age of five, uh, my mother brought us to Raleigh, North Carolina. And we lived in a shelter for about a year. She was taking care of four children Um, at the time. And we didn't have anywhere to uh, lay our head. The Bible says that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man, speaking of Jesus, had nowhere to rest. And I experienced that as well. I don't come from uh, the the, um, luxurious side of the track. I come from the rough side of the track. Everything that we have, we had to work hard for. My mother took care of four children, making no more than $28,000 a year. And I'm blessed to be able to say today that, you know, you can go from living in a shelter in America to having your book on a shelf in Barnes and Nobles. You know, there are so many opportunities that are rich in this nation and blacks do better here than in any country in this world. But there is this ideology out there called critical race theory that seeks to make victims out of blacks. I'm a black father. I've been married for 14 years. Um, I have three beautiful black children and I'm not a victim. My wife is not a victim, nor are my children a victim. They are who God says that they are. They are a royal priesthood. They are a chosen generation. They are a peculiar people. And they will never have to succumb to the winds of the government because they have a father that is training them that God has placed um, some inalienable rights in them. And they have the opportunity to realize the American dream if they will work hard and do the heavy lifting. So 
at North Carolina State University, I walked on and, you know, when you're a walk on, you don't get to eat with everybody else. You know, you have to uh, swipe your card to eat. But mm-hmm. all of the scholarship students walk in and just get their porterhouse steak and their crab legs and their lobster tails and the apple pie with the with the, with the alamode, all that good stuff. And so for me, you know, I wanted to compete and I knew that I could uh, be, become a, a scholarship athlete if I were to work hard and and do what was necessary. And so in the matter of about about six months or more, um, the Lord blessed me to have that opportunity at North Carolina State University. Then I went on to graduate from um, Liberty University. And I've seen something in this country that there are opportunities. America is rich with opportunities if you are willing to do what's necessary to realize the American dream, and that is to work hard. My mother taught us that there are two things that you can do with your hands. You can turn them upside down and beg, or you can turn them right side up and work. And if you work in this country, you will receive the prosperity of this nation. Now, that's a great point. And, and, you know, my upbringing was down in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in a blacks only hospital and my parents raised me to never see myself as a victim, never see myself as oppressed. But yet this narrative has permeated uh, America and really just in the last four to five years is really picked up steam. And recently, maybe you heard about it. I was up at Buffalo, uh, University of Buffalo in New York to talk about how I did not see America as a racist nation because I saw the equality of opportunity as opposed to the quality of outcomes. And I basically had to be escorted off the campus by police because of young black students. What has happened with the young people in the black community today that they have bought into this victim mentality and this sense of victim and victimhood when, as you just articulated, that's not how a generation ago we were trained to believe. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, I'm Kent Charnig, and I'm the founder of El Paso County, Colorado Progressive Veterans. Don't worry, we're not crazy tree huggers, but we do have an amazing podcast talking about nothing but the military and veterans. Please check us out, epccpv.org. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Well, you know, from the early 1900s all the way up to the death of MLK, uh, the black marriage rate rivaled that of whites, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And the reason why I go directly to the marriage rate is because many of our black men and women are struggling because they are fatherless. Uh, I believe it's 76 to 78 percent of black homes are single parent family homes. Oftentimes it's the mother that's leading the family. And, you know, and through these woke terms like critical race theory, they seek to destroy the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that we focus upon the need of having black fathers marry their wives and stay together and unite as a bond in a family, in a family, which uh, betters the family. You know, children who have two uh, parents in the home, they oftentimes are more likely to graduate from college. They're more gainfully employed. Um, They have less um, 
in, uh, instances of depression and or anxiety. They are more uh, of upward, up, up, upward bound in this country towards being uh, uh, successful and being able to uh, be prosperous. And so one of the things that we do need to focus upon today is the fact that we need to get our families together. That is the bedrock of every society, of, it, of every uh, uh, people group. It's the family. And today, black families are broken. And so, therefore, the byproducts of the family are our children. And so our children are left to allow rap music to teach them and to train them or they're focused more so upon athletics solely and that's it. And they give in to the lies of the Black Lives Matters movement, which is a movement that was founded upon Marxism. Um, it was you had three black women who were trained Marxists who didn't want men. Um, when you go to their uh, website, you see nothing up there about the upward mobility of the black male. And by and through that, you know, after the death of George Floyd, many of our children bought into the big lie of BLM. Yeah. And where is BLM today? They're somewhere on their yacht. You yeah. know, they're, 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 they're somewhere enjoying one of their mansions. And our children are left to pick up the pieces and try to gain an understanding of finding their place in America. And I don't think that the government is the answer. Government isn't God, but what LBJ did to the black community by removing the black father from the home, by replacing him with a $400 check, that destroyed and dismantled the black family and the black home. And I think that the answer today is families coming together, fathers and mothers coming together and raising and training their children in this nation. And and the church has a part to play in that as well, because, you know, I remember growing up and uh, Wednesday you had, you know, youth Bible study. Uh, I could yes. not carry a tune if you wanted me to, but my mom told me I was going to be in the youth choir. And of course, you started off Sunday by doing your chores, family breakfast, and then you were off to Sunday school. And so when you talk about those incredible breakdowns and you talk about, yes, how all of a sudden we stop looking inward in the community, we start looking at our families. We stop looking at our churches. And then government with a little g comes in and dangles the economic enslavement tool of a, of a check. But then it replaced the man in the home, that thing that had kept the black family, I mean, kept the black community strong through some harsh times was that two-parent household. Not saying that you don't have those phenomenal moms like your mom uh, that can you know, carry that on, but the odds are really stacked against you. And especially when you look at the cultural influences that we have today. And it's so interesting you bring up the Black Lives Matter thing because I always tell people, especially my white brothers and sisters, when they are confronted with someone that says Black Lives Matter, I said, your response should be which Black Lives Matter, which takes me to the next question and really getting into your book. The murdering of unborn lives yes. has been tragic, you know, since 1973, Roe v. Wade. But so few people in the black community know who Margaret Sanger is, know about her founding Planned Parenthood, know about her being a real racist uh, and, and, and really a segregationist and someone that spoke at Klan rallies. Uh, you want to talk about a white supremacist that, that talk, you know, said that blacks were undesirables and human weeds. How yes. is it that we have missed that? And how is your book helping us to understand that? Because 
Since 1973, I think close to 25 million black babies have been murdered in the womb by dismemberment. Talk to us about your book and how you tackle that issue. Yes, we're during the uh, summer of 2020 while being at one of the busiest abortion clinics in the southeast. I was approached by a black father who was wearing a BLM shirt. And he said to me, he said, why are you out here fighting a white man's issue? Now, on that Saturday morning, uh, 70% of the people outside of the clinic trying to save the babies were white, but nearly 80 to 85% of the mothers in the clinic that morning prepared mm -hmm. to abort their baby, they were black. Mm -hmm. But he's going to come and tell me that I'm fighting a white man's issue. Now, if I were to ask him what the definition of critical race theory was, he, he would probably tell me that he didn't know, but he was the walking poster child for all things CRT. Margaret Sanger it was an evil woman. And her mission is still alive today through Planned Parenthood. She said that she wanted to exterminate the black population and that she would use the preacher to deal with the rebellious Negroes who refused to go along with abortion. So today she would probably liken me and you as a rebellious Negro. You know, I'll be a rebellious Negro I'll take it. until the day. That I die because I believe that all babies should be allowed to live, especially babies that look like me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that is obvious and we see in the culture is that many of our left leaning black pastors have sold their community down a river. They won't preach and or talk against abortion because they view that as a wedge issue or a white evangelical worldview. And it's not a white evangelical worldview. It's a biblical worldview. The Bible speaks clearly mm -hmm. about the killing and the shedding of innocent blood. More than 20 million black babies have been aborted in this country since the inception of Roe v. Wade. In states like New York, there are more black babies aborted than are given life to. And so after I had this interaction with this father, God gave me a plan to devise a book and put it together called Erased. And this book will be released on October 4th. And it really unpacks and uncovers the lies behind critical race theory and the abortion industry. The leading cause of death in our country is not tragic accidents. It's not heart disease. The leading cause of death today is not the KKK or white supremacy. You know, it's not even cancer. The leading cause of death today in our country is abortion. And if black lives matter, if black pastors want to do good in the black community, but start preaching about this black genocide that is destroying our people. There was a time where Reverend Jesse Jackson believed like me and you believe. There was a time where he would speak against it. But when it came time for him to run um, as, as the president of the U.S., I remember that <laughs> he sold his community out and he flipped. He switched overnight. He became a turncoat. That rainbow push coalition was no longer pushing for the black baby. But you know and what is amazing? What's amazing, Pastor John, is that you and I are the ones called sellouts. You and I are the are the ones that are seen as, you know, betraying, you know, the black community just because we're speaking the truth. You know, and, and the interesting thing is that you said that there were 70 percent white people there at that clinic. But yet yes. 70 to 80 percent of the people going into clinic 
were look like you and me. Yes. Because what people don't understand is that 70 to 75 percent of the Planned Parenthood clinics, they aren't located in the nice suburban white communities. They're located in the inner city black communities because they're fulfilling exactly what you said, the mission of Margaret Sanger. And I just find it unconscionable, unbelievable that in the black community with black pastors, where it says in Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, God says, I set before you today a choice, you know, life or death. Choose life so that you and your descendants uh, shall live. What will it take to wake up more black pastors to understand this and see this, as you say, this diabolical and sinister plan that is being unveiled against the black community? Or is it too late? Is, is it just that some of them are so far in the matrix that they're not going to be able to take the red pill, they're going to continue to take the blue pill and stay in the matrix? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, many of our black pastors are more beholden to the planks in the Democratic Party platform than they are the cross beams of Calvary. Mm, our powerful. preachers need to get back to preaching the unadulterated word of God, void of Marxism, socialism, communism, void of woke ideologies, and just preach God's truth. You know, the Bible is rich with truth from Genesis to revelations and the world will know the truth if the preachers preach it um, i'll say this as well if there's any sickness that the church should suffer let it be high blood pressure and not diabetes because we are called to be the salt of the earth and not the sugar of the world mm -hmm. but in our community they put sugar on everything as a means of making it more digestible and consumable. They sugarcoat things and they avoid the truth. They avoid the salt because salt stings. We need oh, our pastors powerful. to really focus upon what matters. A pastor by the name of Reverend Clinard Childress said that if the current abortion rate continues in America by 2038, the black vote will be non-existent. And I don't want that to happen to any people group. I don't want that to happen to whites or to Hispanics or Pacific Islanders or Asians. But I definitely don't want that to happen to black people. Blacks have become the cheap prostitutes of the Democratic Party. They screw us and barely pay us and we keep coming back for more. And a lot of this blame should be laid at the feet of our pastors because you know as well as I know, historically... Blacks receive the majority of their political information and uh, knowledge from the church. Mm -hmm. The church was the battery that taught them and trained them on how they should engage in the social in the civil rights movement there and therefore uh, beyond that point as well. And so today our our pastors and our community are more like wimps and less like watchmen and blood is on their hands. This must stop. This must end. And the way that we're going to do it is through books like Erased, but also preachers getting back to preaching God's word line upon line and precept upon precept. No, you're absolutely right. And it goes back to, you know, Second Timothy chapter four, verse two, pastors supposed to preach the word in season and out and stop going out there uh, with these false narratives and false prophecies and tickling uh, people's ears. Uh, but I will also tell you, not just the black pastors, black elected officials also 
have a lot of oh, blood boy. on their hands. I mean, we can do an entire diff- new segment on that, you know, between the Congressional Black Caucus and what we see, you know, locally. You know, Raphael Warnock. <laughs> and, you know, I was I was born and raised in that community, the old Fourth Ward neighborhood where Ebenezer Baptist Church sits. And to mm. think that this guy's the senior pastor of that important, impactful, and influential church and the stances that he takes to me, I mean, it's sinful. I, 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 it's evil, like you said in Isaiah five twenty. You know, calling evil good, and that's exactly what he's doing. So, in the last few minutes that we have, what's next for you? You got your book erased coming out on October the fourth. Where will people be able to find that book, and how can people stay in touch with you and and follow you and all the great things you're doing? You can go to www erased book e-r-a-c-e-d book.com and you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at rev r-e-v-w-u truth Uh, this book is offered everywhere books are sold i'm asking everyone to purchase a copy of this book or maybe even a case and if you know someone in preparation for the upcoming election who's on the fence they're a little bit iffy or maybe their your pastor has gone woke this is the book that they need to read. Now, I don't put my book above the scriptures, the Bible. The, the Bible comes number one. Yep. My book is only a tool, but it's biblically, biblically integrated. So take this tool, the, the erased book, and use it to help those who are in darkness and those who are blind. You know, I don't know if you have uh, seen the... Uncle Tom documentary, Uncle Tom 1, and of course, Uncle Tom 2 just came out, was released last month, and Uncle Tom 2 talks about exactly what you are putting forth. Your thesis is how Marxism, socialism, communism has infiltrated into the black church and the deadly poison that it has brought forth. So I want to thank you, Pastor John Amanchukwu, for standing up on faith, standing up on the word of God and saying what needs to be said. Uh, God doesn't need us to say what's popular. He just needs us to say what's right. And my mother always said that a man must stand for something or else he'll fall for anything. And I'm glad to stand with you because we're on the side of what's right. So thank you so much for being with us on the Steadfast Law podcast. Thank you so much. As the Bible says in Luke 17 and 2, it is better for a man to have a millstone bound around his neck and to be thrown into the sea than for us to harm our children. Today, if our children aren't killed in the womb, they're being destroyed in the classroom. If Jesus were to come back, I doubt he would flip tables at the church. He would probably flip tables at our local school board meetings. Parents, get involved and find out how our children are being indoctrinated in this country. God bless you. You're absolutely right. And there's a whole lot of millstones to be out there around folks' necks right now, too. So you take care there, Pastor John, and good luck to the North Carolina State uh, Wolfpack and also the Liberty University Flames. Those your, Look at, there you go. Give me that Wolfpack symbol. All right, God bless you, and take care. You too. Take care. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this portion of the Steadfast and Lower podcast was brought to you by the United States Concealed Carry Association. Being a responsibly armed American is both an honor and a responsibility, and it's not one to be taken lightly. If you own a gun, then you need the self-defense education, training, and 
self-defense liability insurance that you get with a USCCA membership. Click learn more below right now to explore your membership options, which are risk-free with the USCCA's bulletproof money-back guarantee. Don't wait. Click learn more below right now. And always remember that the USCCA is not an insurance company. A policy has been issued to the USCCA by Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations, and exclusions. We want to thank Pastor John Amanchiku Sr. for joining us on the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Powerful message. That's the exact type of pastors that we want. That's the type of pastors that we want to make sure that you out there are nominating for the Steadfast and Loyal Black Robe Regiment Tomahawk. Always remember, go to tomahawk at abwshow.com. That's tomahawk at abwshow.com. Submit your nominations so that we can continue every month, two per month, to pastors that are standing up and preaching the Word of God. Before they burn it down